Hello world, it's time to cue the coach. The world we are living in today has been spiraling out of control for decades in such a way that we are all losing our minds, risking our health daily, and choking on the ashes of a dying paradigm. You don't want to continue living in fear or in conformity to someone else's version of reality, do you? I know I'm done, and I've been done for quite some time now. Wellness needs an advocate. Holistic health, that is. It's time that we rise to the challenge of creating a brand new world with the fiery passion of a phoenix rising from the ashes. What beautiful essence do you possess that this world desperately needs? On this podcast, that is what we are here to find out. Together, let's unlock the pure potential from within. And as Gandhi said, let's be the change we wish to see in this world. And here we go. Episode 45, Roots of Racism. Good morning out there, beautiful souls. Whether you are white, black, Indian, European, Asian, Australian, Russian, or any other race of the world, this episode is here to shed a little light on a systemic problem that has existed since the dawn of time. It's not so much about the history as it is the innate causes of racism today. So before we get into this topic, let's talk about an essential oil I often put in my diffuser before doing my research or before getting onto a Zoom meeting with all different types of people from all walks of life or basically any project that I'm working with that has to do with a gathering of people. The essential oil itself is actually called gathering. And this Young Living blend contains lavender, northern lights, black spruce, geranium, frankincense, royal Hawaiian sandalwood, lang lang, vetiver, cinnamon, and rose essential oils. On Young Living's site, it said that this combo of oils creates an aroma that brings like-minded people together on a physical, emotional, mental, social, and spiritual level. For me, it brings me to a peaceful, open state of mind, and it helps me to release judgment and focus on the commonality with others. Aromatherapy has profound effects when it comes to holistic health, especially when it's a pure, authentic, all-natural product you're using. These aren't just words when it comes to Young Living. There are no hidden ingredients or unnatural chemicals formulated ever and added. These are never audited. There's never any unnatural chemical formulations ever added to their oils. This stuff is the real deal. So don't get caught up in targeting a multi-level marketing company as a pyramid scheme. Trust me, I've not been taken advantage of in any way by subscribing to monthly orders with this company. In fact, I've gained tremendous insight into the world of health and wellness thanks to my team and in using these products. Ready to sign up? Click the link in my show notes to get started and reach out to me if you need any help, even if it's just for questions and no sign up. I just wish to offer you the same experience I'm fortunate enough to come across because it really has changed my life and still continues to do so. Okay, so on to today's topic as I sit in the rain out here at the park on the go today on the move. I just got back from 
my second honeymoon. My wife and I got married on March 21st, and then we had our wedding reception and a re basically a, a revision of our ceremony again in August, on August 22nd. And I just got back yesterday from a beautiful, beautiful time down in Galloway. We went out to Cape May and Wildwood and Stone Harbor and uh, all different kinds of places down there. Smith Village, Smithville Village, which is really, really cool. My wife and I did a lot of shopping and a lot of chilling on the beach and just uh, a lot of... Uh, junk food eating and stuff like that. So we, we had a, a blast. And next week's episode, I'm going to talk about a detox uh, because I'm in the process of doing that this week. But this topic is one that I started before I even went away. And uh, I still feel like it's very, very necessary to address it. So the roots of racism Ask yourself, if you experience racism, whether it be against you or it's you being racist, where does the fuel for this experience come from? Do you focus on history and race consciousness trauma of the past? Do you watch the news as it slangs towards a narrative that divides us all? Or is it really, is it really because you in your daily life have been a victim of racism or a victim of someone that is a different skin color than you? Or that you yourself have been racist. I have to tell you, my friends, that most often it's the first two that are the worst offenders preventing peace with one another. I myself was fortunate to grow up in a mixed neighborhood as a poor white boy surrounded by people from all races and all walks of life. I've learned that judging people by their skin color or religion and even cultural practices is complete and utter nonsense, truthfully. What does, however, make a huge difference is just two things financial status, and family upbringing. Poor people from any race have a very difficult time fitting in, getting a great education, and living a healthy lifestyle. And people who are raised to be violent, judgmental, and rude have a huge challenge in being emotionally balanced, fair, and reasonable when they were raised to know no differently. So it's really some compassion that we need here. And then often people of affluence are raised to believe that they are superior to anyone else because of their money and power status within their families. So it's often a matter of the stories we're told as children, whether it be from a wealthy family or from a poor family, that fuels the seeds of hatred and judgment or fosters a sense of peace, compassion, and equality if we were raised to do so. So I ask you today to bring awareness to yourself. Be honest with how racism and judgment were born for you. And I also ask you to be honest with yourself with this. Do you intentionally project the stereotypes of your race to provoke people of other races to judge you? Now, what do I mean by that? Let's go back into my childhood for a moment. On one hand, I had a black friend that was one of my best friends growing up. He was a big boy, but had a very kind heart. His laugh was infectious, and he played football, watched wrestling, and played tag, all with the rest of us, and for the most part, he got along with everyone and stayed out of trouble. We were all poor. None of us had fancy bikes or expensive toys. Any one of us could have resorted to stealing or fighting and causing chaos, but that rarely happened. In my circle of friends, anyway. I won't say we were perfect and that no one ever stole candy or defaced property or did some crazy shit when we were growing up. Uh, we certainly did. Sure, we all did. You know, we've, we've all done some crazy things. If you look back in your childhood, I'm sure there are some things that you've done 
that are a little bit crazy, but rarely does it have to do with your race. So that this black kid I grew up with wore clothes that fit him. He talked respectfully to everyone, and he didn't even see skin color. You know, none of us were different than him. We were just brothers with him. You know, he was just another one of us. And sure, we made jokes about him being the only black kid in the bunch of us. But they were harmless and poking fun at stereotypes just to, you know, because that's all it ever was to us. It was just, a, it was a joke. It was like, you, you can't really separate us out by our skin color. Like, we're all just, we all get along, you know. So we loved him just as much as the next guy. And then, on the other hand, there were other black kids that wore their pants below their asses, cursed nonstop, listened to violence-provoking rap music, and often carried guns in their underwear. They hung out on the streets, wanting to, waiting to jump people and rob them, and created fear everywhere they went. And that was my neighborhood, you know. That we, we had, we had the good and we had the bad. Were they the only ones, though? Were these black kids the only ones? No. They hung out with white kids and Spanish kids and kids of all races, really, that did the exact same things. So it had nothing to do with race, yet it sure fueled racism, though, while it was always the black kids that wound up in the news media when they were arrested. The pants around the bottom of the asses, initially, just in case you don't know, was to mimic being locked up in jail where you can't have a belt as you might use it to hang yourself or strangle somebody when you're in jail so you're not allowed to use a, to have a belt. So often, one-size-fits-all pants weren't exactly one-size-fits-all, and they hung off your ass. So wearing pants in this way was to say, I know what it's like to be in jail, and I've been there. Fear me. I'm no one to fuck with. That's where it started, but it became a trend afterwards, and I'm sure it was rarely thought about after a while, what that trend meant and what it stood for. And this was still born out of fear, doing this, right? Wearing your pants down around your, around your ass was, was born out of fear. I want to be, I want to look like a tough guy because if I don't look like a tough guy, you might, you might mess with me, you might beat me up, you might rob me, you might take advantage of me in some way. If I don't look tough enough, I'll get beat up, picked on, and I'll be unpopular. But if I look like I've been to jail, no one's going to mess with me. Again, though, this mentality was born out of fear and poverty and a violent upbringing. In every case, really. I mean, there might be a few, a few kids that, you know, were wealthy that would hang out with the hoodlums, <laughs> And, and dress like this and, and try and put on the mask. But, you know, it was the, the real the real tough guys, the, the dangerous people, were uh, just really constantly living in fear. And crime rates are another key driving point of the media that continues to fuel racial divide. The fact of the matter is that crime has nothing to do with being a minority. I truly hate that word, honestly. I, I really dislike it. Crime is correlated with both poverty and greed, not just skin color or religion. There are as many white-collar crimes out there, if not more, as there are crimes committed by poor, uneducated human beings, and it's often the white-collar crimes that cause the desire to commit these violent crimes to begin with, to get ahead of an unfair world that is the major culprit. Desperate people do desperate things to survive. It's the poor and uneducated that get caught more often, however, 
and that are the target of mainstream media that is paid for by hundreds of white-collar criminals. White-collar crimes get covered up by bribes and affluence. White-collar, by the way, just means people who work in an office or a professional environment as opposed to blue-collar that works in the dirt and mud and in construction and jobs of that nature. And I would say that even professional athletes would fall in the white-collar category, though, because of financial status. I'm sure they're getting dirty in the mud while they're playing sports or getting all sweaty out there, but really they're, they're living high-value white-collar lives. So there's no real divide here. Crime is crime, and the white-collar crimes create a much larger problem, honestly, than the poor people that act sometimes in a single event out of desperation and get backed into a corner and plastered all over the news media for the one major crime they committed. So I ask you, is racism really fueled by skin color? Is it really fueled by cultural differences? I think not. I think that skin color is an easy way to divide everyday people against one another, but it's just that, a tool to create divide. The real roots of racism are white collar criminals needing to keep up their illusion to the rest of the world. News media looks at the results and throws them in your face and blames the results for the cause. The cause of racism is the media and I need to dominate and the need to dominate and control others. Unfortunately, we have everyday people that make it very easy for the media to continue to twist this narrative and to allow you to just blame different races for different systemic problems. Even suicide bombers are born out of fear and oppression by corporate greed. If corporate conglomerates weren't so obsessed with having power and control over oil in this world, there would be no one needing to strap bombs to their chest to try and defend their way of life. If corporations lifted a finger to bring impoverished cities out of poverty, they would see crime rates drop immediately, but that doesn't bring them more money. It takes money out of their pockets to do so, and it doesn't fuel their pockets back immediately as a result of their investment. If companies that were designed to help the poor were actually really doing their jobs of helping, we would see change, but no one gets to see where the money goes for these charities most often. We don't really get to see that story. We don't get to see the happy joyous stories of us all coming together. Now, I do believe that the world is in the very center of waking up to this tragic misunderstanding, though. However, we have so much more work to do still. And religion isn't even to blame for these tragedies. It is the misuse of religion to, again, fuel corporate greed or a domination of power that always causes uprisings, war, and civil unrest. Just take a look back at any religious war and see, did it really have anything to do with God? Did it? None of it had to do with God. If it had to do with God, it would bring peace, love, and harmony and connection, not violence and killing. Anywhere that it's claimed that killing people in the name of God is the word of God is simply the word of man. This is the word of fear and uprising from oppression. So infidels, a hot button word for the Middle East and for Muslim extremists, are not a specific race of people. Infidels, as far as I would define them, are those who refuse to allow anyone to live in the way that they choose to live. Does it mean that these people that refuse to do this should be put to death? I think not. I think infidel is synonymous with the word ignorant. Killing people of any race has never brought anyone more happiness or true prosperity. But I do understand that 
there's a desire to clear up ignorance. And if you believe that God is the only one that can clear up ignorance, it brings people to violence to kill people, thinking that God is going to do something. But killing people of any race has never brought anyone more happiness or true prosperity, honestly. I think the true tragedy when it comes to Muslim extremism is not allowing all of the world to understand where all of it comes from in the first place. Now, what is it that Muslim extremists truly want? It's my belief that the media only portrays the unreasonable requests of extremists as what the Muslim people want. And I'd bet with my life that there are some things, some simple requests that have been denied, ignored, and oppressed for centuries. And that is the real culprit of this rage. When no one listens to you and your family is impoverished and not taken care of for years and years on end, desperation sets in. And again, I say desperate people do desperate things. So just imagine for yourself for a moment, growing up in Western society with convenience stores and grocery stores, beautiful homes, cars, and every convenience available to you for your entire life. And that's how we live here in the, in the West, right? But then, imagine then that you are catapulted into the Middle East and you are now living in a cave in 100 degree weather, day in and day out. And the only time a convenience is brought, convenient, Anytime convenience is brought to you is when it's shipped in from some wealthy country outside. You have no TV, you have no smartphone, you have no great schools, and you can't find any means to travel in and out of your city without extreme red tape. Wouldn't you feel a little desperate and scared if you were there in that position? Wouldn't you feel very uncomfortable? Wouldn't you feel like you have nothing? nothing to lose, and just a, a desperate need for, for a better way of life, even if it's in the afterlife. You know, on top of that, if you're, if you're there in that situation, you're surrounded by even more desperate people who are driving around in trucks full of guns, taking the power that they feel that they need so that they can feel safe and in charge of their own lives. It's a violent situation because of desperation. And just imagine for a moment living in that world and occasionally seeing how everyone else is living in the Western world as the news media pumps out how well we're doing compared to them. These people see how greedy, selfish, and lazy we can be, and their rage leads to them calling us infidels and wanting to take us down and kill us. It's all misunderstanding. It's all fear, misunderstanding, and a desire for equality. So as you can see, if you keep an open mind here, racism is not as cut and dry as one may think. Most of it's fueled by misunderstanding and a deep-seated history of conquest and control. The world desperately needs the complete opposite of this as we move forward. And this is why I choose to address this topic in a holistic health podcast. Because holistic health is not just about us as individuals. It's about us as a community, as a country, and as a world of people that live together in a complex ecosystem. Frankly, we have much bigger problems today to deal with as a society than this old hat of racism. And holistic health means working through these problems together as a unified humanity. If we can finally move past skin color, culture, and religion as a source of divide, we can bring about a deeper sense of the whole. There's so many beautiful people out there of all races and color that can, can and do 
make significant contributions to equality, health, and cooperation. And those are the people we need to lift up in the media. Those are the stories that we need to have moving forward. So let us open our minds and our hearts to bring all of our gifts forward to propel us all into a new tomorrow. So that's it for today. Kind of short and sweet. Um, you know, just... If you still feel that racism is a problem in your life, whether it be you being the victim of it or you being the perpetrator, I truly invite you to look deep inside, like I said at the very beginning, and really ask yourself where it's coming from. Really ask yourself how much of where it's coming from matters in your daily life. Is it helping you in any way? I can't find any reason that anybody would think that being racist is helpful in any way, shape, or form. Prosperity is failing when it comes to big money and big industry. They've been failing us. We're falling apart. Our society is falling apart. None of these things that divide us are things that we need to be focused on anymore. We need to be focused on living as one. So eject that crap from your heart and your brain. If you see news media talking about racism, turn it off and walk around your own neighborhood and talk to the people in your own community. Have an open mind. Have an open heart. See each other as brothers and sisters of a beautiful world. And let's lift each other up. Let's let's understand things. Let's look at the big picture. Let's look at this from a broad, holistic perspective. And you'll find that the roots of racism, again, have nothing to do with difference of skin color, difference of cultural practices, or religion. It is the misunderstanding and misuse of conquest for power. That has brought us to the place we're at today. So let's change that. It starts with you and me. It starts with one person at a time being more kind and generous and compassionate to those who are lost in this misunderstanding. We can't change that misunderstanding by creating more divide or being intolerant or being defensive. We have to be inclusive and compassionate. So thank you for listening today. I'm so grateful for my audience, no matter how small it might be so far. It's my hope and my dream that we all grow as a community and that we grow into the next greatest version of humanity. We have two choices these days in this world. Contribute to burning it all down or contribute to being the phoenix rising from the ashes of an already broken world. Which will you choose?
Namaste, everyone. Take care. Until next time.